It's episode 595 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. Today, I want to give you some tips to stay warm this winter. Let's cue that intro. Welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness, and longevity. Now, let's get into the show. Roadman, thanks for joining me for another Roadman Cycling Podcast. I hope you had an amazing weekend and you're listening to these words in your ear with a spring in your step and ready to take on the week. I haven't got that much of a spring in my step at the moment, I'll not lie to you. I'm feeling some pain, I'm going to get into that in a second. But I want to talk today about the weather and staying warm, because the weather, it's starting to turn here in Ireland. And like a migratory goose, I'm planning to head off to Spain for warmer pastures at the end of next week and spend a little bit of time in Girona and warm up. But just at the weekend, it was the first time I'd been out on the bike all winter, where, you know, winter in inverted commas, because being quite lucky with the weather here in Dublin. Where I starting to get that spray off the roads, the occasional showers coming along. We're back getting some single digit temperatures. And it's just kind of reminding me of those long winters I put in through the years over in France, over in Canada, and the lessons I learned. It is all starting to add up to make for some pretty chilly riding at this time of year. Our group ride this past weekend was the first time I've actually been cold on the bike in quite a while. Now, this wasn't helped by the fact that I hit the ground. I hit the ground pretty fast. It's my first time having a crash on the road bike in, I would say, over four years. Totally my fault. No other riders involved. And it was one, look, I don't know if I could have avoided it or not. I like to categorize my crashes, you know, in a Kind of a self-deprecating way. If they're my prob, if they're my problem or my fault, I like to put them into category A pilot error. But I also like to absolve myself, like a like a Catholic priest. I like to absolve myself of all blame if they're not my fault, and I put them into my other category, non-pilot error. This one's kind of sitting a little bit somewhere in the middle of those two uh, intersections. I came over the top of not really a climb, a little kicker, kind of a two-minute. Uh, drag and I was coming down that's a fast straight descent into a left-hand corner I was on my road bike road tires there'd been some tractors and some dirt on the road and I had rain so it was a greasy surface I was probably going in retrospect with the benefit of hindsight I was going faster than I needed to go on that descent you know there's nothing at stake I'm just rolling down I could have rolled down at a you know 20k an hour 30k an hour and been perfectly safe probably I was due to come into the corner and I was starting to think about taking a really lazy wide line around the corner to not bank the bike too much. I was just about to touch the brakes, still hadn't touched them, so I hadn't scrubbed off any speed in a perfect straight line and my front wheel just washed out. So in terms of bike control, make a mistake, I I didn't do anything wrong. But in the sense that I could have gone down the descent slower, I would just let myself freewheel down without touching the brakes all the way down. That, in retrospect, was a mistake. I'm a little bit sorer than I thought I was. I I rode the rest of the ride, another hour and a half or so home, stopped for a coffee, which is never a great idea when you have a crash, and got home that evening, and I was fine. I was like, it's road rash. But then I slept that night and woke up Sunday morning, yesterday morning, and, oh, my God, my leg was just locked, solid, struggling to bear weight. So, bit better this morning now, hammering in the diphene anti-inflammatories. So, hopeful that I'll be back to an easy ride, maybe later today or tomorrow. 
No damage, thankfully. Plenty of road rash. Some ripped kit from Tactic. Shout out to them for the ripped kit. Uh, and other than that, yeah, not much to report. It was uh, mainly ego dented. No damage to the bike either for all those people that ask, how's the bike? I never care who the bike is. Like, I would prefer a totally trashed, totaled, unsalvageable road bike than a single scratch on my body. I am just precious. Bikes are replaceable. Bodies are not replaceable. That old cliche, like, bones heal, carbon doesn't. No, bones don't heal. If you break a bone, you've that legacy injury forever. I've broken bones 10 years ago, they still hurt. I've broken carbon frames more times than I count. I can't even remember what carbon frames I broke. So yeah, I don't know where that cliche came from. But today I want to dive in and I want to give you some tips that have worked for me training through the years, not to avoid crashes, but to stay warm as the climate gets a little bit colder. I feel like I've tested this topic really well. Living in France near Bordeaux in a little town called Pont, close to La Rochelle, it would get down pretty cold there. Like I arrived in January just after New Year and it was around zero degrees a lot of the time and I pretty much zero heating in my apartment too. So I couldn't come home from ride shivering or I just wouldn't warm up for the day. There was no running hot water in the apartment. So if you got cold, you were staying cold. So very soon you had to develop strategies to come in from a ride warm, not let that cold get into you. Canada, obviously, heating and infrastructure and stuff is a lot better in Canada. It's a much more developed country. Plus, I was living with a girlfriend out there, so we actually had some heating and stuff like that. But Canada was like getting a PhD in riding in the cold. Like, I went out there and I was told by peers that no one rides in the cold in Canada. It's crazy. It's Canada. You ride indoors. And then I met one guy. I've mentioned him before on the podcast, and I always mention him in reference to this. He's a great guy, Pete Morse. I was teammates with him briefly at a team called Jet Fuel, which are an amazing team out of Toronto. Uh, I think Toronto Hustle is their new iteration. Uh, but Pete was a great guy, and Pete showed me the ropes. He showed me the tricks of the trade to stay warm riding in the winter in Toronto. You know, you could get down minus 10, minus 15, maybe even minus 20 degrees Celsius, and Pete would be riding away. He'd be the only one I'd try and watch for the winter over there because everyone else was tucked up indoors going to their, you know, their virtual reality classes and stuff like this, but Pete was hardcore. So the tips I share with you today are a hodgepodge from stuff that Pete's told me, stuff I've experimented with working in France. And let's not forget, Ireland's cold in the winter. We get single digits and rain. That's not a nice place to be. Single digits and rain it can be a colder, more miserable day than you know 15 degrees and dry, especially when the roads are shoveled in places like Canada. But you'll notice the key in all this stuff. The key is staying warm rather than warming up. Because once the cold gets in, it's really hard to warm up again. So I'm going to dive in and rattle through some quick fire tips that have worked for me. Some of these are obvious, some of them are not so obvious, some of them you're definitely doing, and some of these you're going to want to share with friends. I think this is a podcast that's going to get shared around a lot. So if there's someone in the club that's struggling with cold hands, cold feet, share it into club, Facebook groups, WhatsApp groups, because I think there is going to be a lot of value in this. So the first one, it's something that a lot of people are doing now, and it's obvious, but I want to state it anyway. It's a wicking base layer. Base layers used to be more cotton fabrics and they used to get wet. If you have a base layer, if you're coming in from a ride and your base layer is still wet, invest in a different base layer. Have a wicking technology because it all starts with the base layer. If you can keep your core warm, that's 90% of the battle. A lot of the strategies we're going to talk about in this are designed to keep your core warm. When that bottom layer gets wet, it's bad, bad news and it's the hardest one to dry. One of the tricks that Pete told me was, if you're riding a particularly cold day, like I'm talking Canadian cold days, to bring a spare base layer in a Ziploc bag in your jersey pocket. And when you get to the cafe at the halfway point, 
change out that base layer. If you're not in those extreme cold conditions, a wicking base layer is going to do the trick for you. That's tip one. Tip two, it's gloves with a cuff. So a lot of our gloves, we'll see, it's the kind of neoprene gloves and the gloves end and then the jacket finishes and there's a small little gap in between. Now that part of your wrist doesn't particularly get cold, but the problem is when you start getting an area cold, that starts creeping into the rest of your body and it brings the whole temperature of your body down as a whole. So gloves with a high cuff stop that happening and they keep your total body temperature a little bit warmer. Same goes for the head and a headband around it or a skull cap really does wonders to stop you losing that heat escaping through your head. And you might be someone's like, oh, my head doesn't get cold, but that's not the point. As soon as your head gets cold, that starts seeping down to the rest of your body. So sealing that, putting a lid on it up top keeps the rest of your body warm. Number three, cool little tip I haven't seen many people doing, especially in Ireland, UK, having warm beverages in your bottle. It's one from France. They'd always hand us up bottles of warm tea on a ride. It's a sugary tea is as good as any sports drink. You've caffeine and you've glucose all in there, and it's really nice to warm your hands on, to just sip on as the ride goes on. Beautiful warm tea. Fill it up again at the coffee shop, more warm tea. Number four, keep clothing loose. I had to learn this one the hard way because I used to throw on two pairs of socks. I used to throw on two pairs of gloves or a really tight overshoe. But what keeps us uh, warm, it's blood flow. It's blood flowing freely to, to those extremities, hands and feet. And when we put on really you know, restrictive garments, that stops that blood flow, cuts off the circulation, and it makes those extremities cold. A good pair of socks and a good pair of gloves with like a fleece lining are absolutely ideal. Merino wool socks are brilliant. They're loose fitting. They're super insulating. I go with something like that and a nice pair of fleece lined gloves. It's worth investing in something good because they're going to last you for absolutely years and years. I hate the really tight fitting overshoes, like a Velo Toes overshoe. For me, they're just, they don't work at all. They're too restrictive. They cut that blood flow off to the ankle and my foot gets absolutely frozen cold once that blood flow is restricted. Number five is mudguards. Mudguards are such a simple little hack, but you don't want the selfish mudguard, the ass saver. Sure, it's going to save you a little bit, but you get a lot of that sprinkle coming up onto your ankles, onto your calves. That's why we've seen a trend like ASOS are bringing out the longer overshoes to cover your calves. They can work well, but that's mitigating the damage. Good legal word for you there, mitigation of damage. You want to stop the damage, and the way you can do that is a mudguard all the way down. Pete used to have a mudguard, and at the bottom of the mudguard, he drilled two holes in the mudguard. He had a can of coke that was cut and flattened, and he made a little flap at the end of his mudguard for catching that last bit of water. Makes such a difference. Also, you can ride solo in the rain. You don't need to ride with a group all the time in the rain because you're getting less spray off the wheels. That's going to keep you dry. I, also, I mentioned at the start, like I stopped for a coffee at the weekend after my crash. It's not a good idea after a crash because you stiffen up. It's similarly not a good idea if it's wet conditions because you get cold, the wet gets into you, and it's really hard to warm up again. Number six, it's eating. 120 grams is the new 60 grams. Orla Walsh podcast is of particular note uh, with a dietitian that's back a couple of months. Really interesting chat. Talked to a bunch of world tour nutritionists on the podcast through the years. So jump back on those. Barry Murray's a really interesting one. But the trend used to be one gram of carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight per hour. That was kind of limited to 60 to 80 grams of carbohydrates because people felt that you got gastro stress after 60 to 80 grams of carbohydrates. 
the move in recent years has been away from 60 to 80 more towards 120 and i've tried this on a number of spins recently and i've been nudging it up towards that 120 it's difficult to do i was playing around with some beta fuel and i got some gastro problems off that i think i've talked about that in another podcast but your body burns energy to stay warm. Let's not forget what our body is. It's a furnace, and we burn energy to stay warm. So if we're not giving it the carbohydrates, if we're not giving it the fuel we need to stay warm, we're going to go hypoglycemic, and that is going to result in miserable, plummeting core body temperatures, extreme cold, and a lot of other ancillary difficulties. Number seven, route planning. Me and an old training partner of mine, Sean McKenna, we used to be religious on this one. Sean was a great man for planning routes. So on a cold day, you're looking for staying away from shaded areas. You're looking at staying away from big descents. You're looking at staying away from altitude. You want to have a load of little rollers. The little roller is going to keep you warm. The descent's not going to be long enough off that you're going to get cold. Also think about the, the shelter. What direction is the wind coming from? Can you ride an area with high hedges with plenty of trees and foliage around? That's going to keep you warm. It's going to keep you shelter from the rain. It's going to keep you shelter from the wind. We had a lovely route from Dublin where we used to ride out towards Dunlavin and get a hot chocolate out there. And no one will know what those place names are. Sarah always gives out to me for like my uh, colloquialisms. But it's a route I used to love here in Dublin because it's sheltered all the way out with these sort of high hedges and trees. And it's an ideal illustration of exactly what I'm talking about when I look at route planning and matching your route planning to your weather forecast. Number eight, and it's the most valued garment in my entire cycling wardrobe. It's an old school rain cape, you know, the plastic rain capes. I have this in Ireland in my pocket year round, regardless of the weather conditions. Not only when it's raining, I have it all the time. I put it on for short periods of time, like throughout a ride. You'll see me, I've got quite good at flicking my hands off the bar, throwing a rain cape on, taking it back off, and I'll do this multiple times during a ride. I do it if I'm going down the descent. And the reason, I don't want the cold to get in. Can I get down this descent like without the rain cape? Of course I can. But will I be at the bottom cold? Will I have my core body temperature will have dropped you know, 0 0.001 of a degree? But I don't want that to happen. So I'm constantly making that calculation that, can I keep my body temperature up at all periods? So what I'll do is use that raincoat as a little shield. So on descents, I'll put it on. Particularly windy areas, I'll put it on. If I'm coming out of the cafe and a change in temperature, I'm going to put it on straight away. Now, the trick is to put it on and take it off. So if you come down to descent, you have it on for, you don't have it on for the climb, you have it on for the descent. Then when you get back into the valley, you take it off again. Because as your temperature starts rising, if you leave that jacket on, you're going to start getting wet inside. So whenever I leave it on for a long period, I always say, once it's on for more than 10, 15 minutes, it's staying on. It's not coming off for the day because if you take it off then, then you get plummeting temperatures. So it's a really amazing garment, but you got to use it sparingly. I will talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, Robman. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have you ever wondered how good you could actually be? Each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this is what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. 
go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to sarah at roadmancycling.com.